There is um, a word from the Lord today as we are continuing our series on the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes. So if you have your Bible with you, um, your app, would you please join me in um, chapter one of Ecclesiastes? All right, so if you're in the Psalm, you're very close. If you're in Proverbs, you're right next door. If you are in the Gospel of John, you are way too far. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Chapter 1, we're going to read verses 12 through 18. If you're able to stand, would you please join me in standing for the reverence of the reading of the Word of God? Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. Hear now the Word of God. I, the teacher, was the king over Israel and Jerusalem. I apply my mind to study and explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What is heavy, what is a he- what heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless. A chase after the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and and also of madness and folly. But I have learned this too, is chasing after wind. For, 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 with, for with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. Would you bind your me in prayer? Gracious God, we thank you for your word. Your word is ever true. Father, we come to this preaching time knowing that there's no preaching without praying. And there's no preaching without the Holy Spirit. So, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me, mold me, and shape me so that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, will be acceptable unto your sight. Speak to us, for we are listening. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Um, I want to preach from this thematic to us from the text, Chasing After the Wind. Chasing after the wind. Um, I've watched enough TV um, to know that there are those people called wind chaser. There are people, what they do, they chase after storm. And the reality of it is this, if they are in the storm that they are chasing, more than likely they're going to die. So they are chasing of something that they, for the most part, that they can never catch. Are you with me? They are chasing after something that just here for a moment, but it's gone. They are chasing after something really that brings a thrill, but in reality, it's something that they can never really catch. What a pitiful reality to be chasing after something that you can never catch. Well, here, walk with me through the book of Ecclesiastes. This book is written by Solomon. Now, now, it doesn't say that Solomon is the one who wrote the book, but you know how some people are? They said, I am the most beautiful, I got the best dress, or I'm the best dressed person, you know, I got the beautiful hair, but they never really talk of themselves saying it's them, but they speak of themselves almost in the third person. Well, this is what we got here with Solomon. Because if you go back to verse 1, it says the words of the preacher. I'm going to come back to this in a minute. It says the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Now, you got to understand this. Um, Solomon succeeded his dad. So he didn't say his name, but you know this. And he, he referred to himself as the preacher, but we're going to get what you're going to understand as to what. Can I quickly give this to you? Uh, um, no PowerPoint, but don't worry. You, you'll, you'll take notes. Be with me, all right? 
So he called himself the preacher simply because of what Ecclesiastes means. Ecclesiastes is the same word where we find in the Greek ecclesia. So you see the gathering, the, 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 the church. That's, so, so there he is coming as a preacher and the congregation congregates for him to speak to them. So he says, the preacher, because he's sitting there. But the thing with the, the way Ecclesiastes goes, it's as if that the preacher is preaching, but he is wrestling with himself, having the thoughts. Like he, he's, he's having this, 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 this dichotomy in the preaching where he said one thing, and then he argues for the opposite and comes to a conclusion. That is the back and forth you're going to see in the book of Ecclesiastes. So, so just, just staying on, on, Solomon, uh, on Solomon, he never mentioned his name, but the description he gave and the experience said it's him. He called himself the king, uh, um, son of David, king of Jerusalem. We see that in verse 1 and verse 2. He also called himself, he, he claimed to have great wealth and wisdom. If you remember in the book of Kings, when Solomon can the pastor teach the Bible? Can, can I teach the Bible? In the book of Kings, when, 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 God, uh, when God chose Solomon to be the king, and, and God said, tell me what you want. Tell me what you want. Whatever you want, I'll give it to you. And Solomon asked for what? Wisdom. And because he asked for wisdom, God says, I'm going to give you everything else. Ooh, can I preach right there, right there real quick? If, 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 if God were to come to you right now and said, tell me what you want, it ain't multi-billion or trillion dollars. That's not what you got to ask. It's not more wealth or more fame. But what you got to ask is for God to give you a heart of wisdom to where that you'd be chasing after him. Ooh, the pastor feel like preaching right here. Because if you're chasing after God, God is a, not only attainable, but God wants you to be with him. I'm still in the text. I'm still trying to teach the text, but I feel like preaching. My heart's going to get happy. Um, in response to Solomon's humble prayer, God promised him both wisdom and wealth. And God kept his promise. Ooh, can't help it myself. Do you know that the God that you serve, he's a God keep, is a promise keeper? The God that we serve is a promise keeper. No matter what God says to you, if God made a promise to you, I guarantee you it will come to pass. I may fail you, but the God will promise, the God, if he makes a promise to you, he will keep his promise. I know some of you are discouraged. Can, 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 I'm going to preach right here and there as I'm teaching you the text. Yeah, some of you are discouraged, but remember this. Stand on God's promises. If you stand on God's promises, the promise that he made for you, God says you will be the lender, not the borrower. You better apply yourself for you to be the lender, not the borrower. God says you'll be the head, not the tail. So don't walk like you will tell because you're ahead. God says that you are more than a conqueror. Don't think that the, 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 the warfare you find yourself into, you are to lose because you are not fighting to win. You're fighting from a winning position. Because God keeps his promise. I'm still on the author, Solomon. Twelve times in Ecclesiastes, the author mentioned the king, and he made frequent reference to the problems of official bureaucracy. Um, what happens is this, Solomon... When he got in power, he basically divided the 12 tribes into 12 taxations. <laughs> so it's like you wonder where Americans get their system from. It's from the Bible. Um, the way that he divided each of the tribe got to pay a certain amount of tax, and towards the end of his government, he became really, really heavy handed. That's a different sermon for a different time. Keep in mind that Solomon ruled over a great nation that required a large standing army and extensive government agencies. He carried many, uh, um, he carried on many costly building projects, and Solomon lived a luxurious life. 
somebody had to manage all this nation's splendor, and somebody had to pay for it all. So Solomon solved the problem by ignoring what God intended for him to do, but yet bring about a taxation on the people. So the king begun to reign as a humble servant seeking wisdom. If you go back in 1 Kings chapter 3, you'll see this. But as he grew older, his heart turned away from Jehovah to the false god of the many wives and concubines from foreign lands that he had. You guys know Solomon had many wives? He had many wives. And can I tell you something that, 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 that I probably was going to say later, I was going to say later, I'm telling you now. When Solomon wrote Proverbs and, and, and songs of Solomon, he was in good relationship with God. When he wrote, and, and that was the beginning of his life. When he wrote Ecclesiastes, that's towards the tail end of his life because Ecclesiastes can be viewed as a journal of somebody who's reflecting on what they've done. This is an old man pinning down and reflecting upon how he lived his life. Solomon was the king. He reigned. And Solomon reigned over a united kingdom. After he left, based on his lack of leadership and failure of leadership, the kingdom split. Again, come to Bible study. You can learn more about, this, more about these things. Um, Ecclesiastes, this is now him reflecting on his life experience, on the lesson that he's learned. Can I ask you this question? At the end of your life, what kind of book are you going to be writing? What kind of book are you going to be writing? Now, 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 let, 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 let's consider this, this, this. Again, I promise you, the, the, the sermon will be shorter than the teaching. You know, stay with me. What is Solomon's aim as he is writing this journal? Solomon has put the key of Ecclesiastes right at the front door. You know what Solomon says? Vanities of vanities, vanities of vanities, all is vanity. That's in chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. What will it profit you to labor for men to labor under the sun? Because vanity, all is vanity. And just, as case, just in case you missed it, he put it towards the back door of the text of the book in chapter 12, verse 8. In other words, the book ends, it put the purpose of the book or what it's trying to aim at because everything under the sun away from God is vanity. Vanities are vanities. Those are the words that Solomon, we noted that he, he used. You know how many times he used the, 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 the expression of vanities in, in the text, in the book of Solomon? 38 times. 38 times he mentioned vanities. You know what vanity means? Vapor, emptiness. Whatever it is you think you're chasing, if it ain't God, it's emptiness. Ooh, I wish I had a witness. You can chase women, you can chase drugs, you can chase money, you can chase fame, you can chase, you can chase it all. Power. But if it ain't God, you are ch chasing emptiness, vapor. I've, I've said this to you before. Vapor comes in the morning, and then by midday, it's gone. We are chasing vapor. What do you consider, what, what do you, Solomon considers his wealth, his works, his wisdom, or his world, Solomon's come to the same conclusion, to a sad conclusion, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. That's in chapter 2, verse 11. However, this is not his final conclusion. 
nor it is the only message that he has for his readers. You're going to realize this. The more we preach, you're going to realize that it's not just about vanity. Um, another theme you see under the um, thematic to what you see in the text, under the sun. Under the sun, he used that 29 times, that phrase, under the sun or under heaven, it's the same thing. It defines the outlook of the writer as it looks at life from a human perspective. And not necessarily from heaven's point of view, he applies his own wisdom and experience to the complex human situation and trying to make sense out of life. Solomon wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so that what he wrote was what God wanted his people to have. Um, Can I bless you for something? Do you know when the Israelites read the book of Ecclesiastes? They, they, They read it during the Feast of the Tabernacle. When there's a great harvest, and they, 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 they rightfully, knowing what just took place, and they would read the book of Ecclesiastes. In other words, after they see all that they've, they, 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 they gain from their work, and they sat there to remind themselves, vanity, all is vanity. Um... The word labor come at least 11 different times in Ecclesiastes. It means to toil to the point of exhaustion and yet experience little or no fulfillment in your work. I know, I know some of you are, said, what is the purpose of my job? Well, Solomon tell you. Solomon told you what it is. You just toil to the point of exertion, but yet no fulfillment. And that's why it doesn't matter if you are a nurse, if you are a doctor, an accountant, or a teacher, remember this. That's not what defines you. God put you as that position so you can be a light into that dark world. Man, that's another you're going to see. This referred to, 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 to what Adam, the, 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 word, the word here, the, the Hebrew word is Adama. That's where we, we find that. And, and it refers to, to man as made from the earth. Of course, man is made in the image of God, but he came from the earth and returns to the earth. Solomon used the word 49 times as he examined men under the sun. Evil, he used that word 31 times. Joy, in spite of his painful encounters with the world, Solomon does not recommend either pessimism or cynicism. Rather, he admonishes us to be realistic about life, accept God's gift, accept God's gift, and enjoy them. After all, God gives us God gave to us richly all things to enjoy. Words related to joy and joy rejoice are used at least 17 times in Ecclesiastes. Solomon does not say, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you die. Instead, he advises us to trust God, enjoy what we do have, rather than complain about what we don't have. You know why? Life is too short. Life is too difficult. So make the most of it while you have it. Too many of us, we complain about every little thing. You know? The worst thing that you can have is a complaining Christian. And some of you got it from your parents. That's one of them racial curse that you need to break. God has been too good to you. Wisdom. Since it is one of the Old Testament wisdom books, Ecclesiastes have something to say about wisdom and folly. There are at least 
32 references to fools and folly, and at least 34 to wisdom. King Solomon was the wisest man, and he applied wisdom as he sought to understand the purpose of life under the sun. The preacher sought to be a philosopher, but in the end, you know what he said? Fear God and keep his commitment. Fear God and keep his commitment. Did, did you see all this, this, this? Fear God and keep his commitment. Not fear God and, and be socially, culturally relevant. No, 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 no. Fear God even when that means you are socially and culturally irrelevant. Are, are you all with me? Am, am I boring you in, in the teaching? Fear God and keep his commitment. Um, Solomon mentioned God 42 times and always uses Elohim, not Jehovah. Elohim is the mighty God, the glorious God of creation who exercises sovereign power. Jehovah is Lord, the, 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 the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's the covenant name of God. But he uses Elohim, the relational name of God. Since Solomon is dealing with exclusively with what he sees, under the sun he uses Elohim. Now, you said, well, you give me all those big terms that's in the, that, that's in the, 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 the book. Well, what's the purpose of the book? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I'm glad you asked. He, he, here, Solomon explained how he would the book. He sought out the best words and arranged them in the best order. As he wrote, he concluded vanity is vanity. Fear God and keep his commitments. Now, that's what you see in the context of the book of Ecclesiastes. Why is this book relevant to us today? Because we are no different than the people Solomon wrote the book to, and what Solomon himself experienced, we are no different than that. Anybody here chasing their bags? That's relevant language right there, ain't it? Y'all yeah. chasing that bag? I mean, pe people said, work 24-7. You know, do, do what you got to do, you know. I mean, as a matter of fact, some people don't have time for church anymore. People have no time for fellowship. Well, <laughs> Solomon said, I, 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 I am chasing the wind here because in my experience, that's all it is. Because now, if you look at verse 12, Solomon started in verse 1. It says, the word of the preacher. Now, it says, I, the preacher, the king over Israel. The historian now becomes the philosopher, as Solomon tells us how he went about searching for answer to the problem that vexed him. As the king of Israel, he had all the resources necessary for experimenting with different solutions. And what he had found was that life, a life worth living, is only a life with God. A life worth living is only a life with God. Um, and the text that we read... There are four conclusions that are very applicable and we can take as the message for today. Um, Solomon took the time to think um, the matter through. He was the wisest man of all. He applied that God-given wisdom to the problem. He devoted his mind totally to the matter to get to the root as he seek to and explore and, 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 and search, search for the answer in all sides. 
uh, um, th th there's a theologian that, that says this, there's nothing you cannot prove if only your outlook is narrow enough. Well, Solomon did not take that approach because he expand, he searched everything, make alliance, do everything to find something only to see, number one, that life is tough. But guess what? Life is a gift from God. Put that in your note. Verse 13. Life is tough, but it is a gift from God. Here's what verse 13 says. And I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all that is under the sun. This burdensome task God has given to the sons of men by which they may be exercised. He described life as pure toil, grievous task. Not only fatigue, not only fatigue that fatigue you, but of course, when, when God first gave men life, the world had not been cursed. Remember, if you go back to Genesis, God said to Adam after the curse that, what is it? What is the punishment? You're going to have to work hard. The, 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 you're going to have to work hard because the ground is not going to be as pleasant to you. So Solomon here is realizing at the end of his life all that, all that work is hard work. And it's the same thing that the book of Romans mentioned, like the, the, the birth pains and the labor. You, you go to work, you work, you work, you work, you work. I don't care if you enjoy what you do. Work is hard. Can I get a witness? Amen. Getting up, your coworkers, life is tough. I forgot, y'all got all Christian civil co-workers. Amen. Life is tough, but it is a gift. It is the gift of God. But, but see, it moves on to verse 14 to give us the second part. Unfortunately, life doesn't get any easier if you try to run away from it. Ooh, can the pastor preach right here? The life God has given to you, that's the life he has given to you. Stop trying to live somebody else's life. Amen. Verse 14 says this, I have seen all the works that are done under the sun. And indeed, what? All is what? Vanity and grass chasing for the wind. There it is. You can do it all. You can do it all. But guess what? So chasing under the wind. Bill Gates and all the money. What was the guy, um, the Apple guy? Was it? Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Could you imagine Steve Jobs? I mean, for all Apple Center's um, carrier. Yeah. Steve Jobs, with all of the money that he has, they couldn't find a cure for his cancer. Gone. When he died, guess what? Apple had a new CEO. When you get your Apple phone, do you say, thank, thank you, Steve Jobs? You don't, you, don't even know, you don't even know. Some of you don't even know who Steve Jobs was. It's all chasing. The, 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 both the workaholic and the alcoholic are running away from reality. Um, you, you know how people run away from life? Some people don't want to live their life. Some people, ooh, can, can, I, can I preach right here? Some people are, are, are in so much pain and, and so much trouble that the, the, the life that, that they live, they, 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 they do things to mask it. They, they, I'm getting feedback. I'm, let me move away. See, I, I was about to preach, you know, but, but let, let me get back to the pulpit. Uh, um, some people are trying to mask the issues of their life. Some people are mean. You know what they mean? It's because they're running away from the life that they live. 
Some people are not friendly. You know why they're not friendly? It's because they're afraid for you to see them in their real life. You cannot run away from the reality of the life that God has given to you. Ooh, let me give you this. This is for free. If God gave you this life, and he promised to be with you in this life, you ought not to be afraid to live your life. Thank you, honey. At least I, at least I brought my own witness. Did you hear what I said? Stop trying to run away from this life. Stop trying to live somebody else's life. Some people are trying to escape this life by committing suicide. Do you know how many people go before the train because they are running away from the life? Because when life gets hard, they run away from it. But can I tell you something? When life gets hard, there is a God who promised he will never leave you nor forsake you. He will be with you always. Be with that. Stay with it. Stay with it. A kid who is a baby, a baby who's transitioning from crawling to standing does not stop standing because they fall a couple times. And a kid who's learning to walk does not stop walking because they fell a couple of times. A kid who's learning to run does not stop running because they fell a couple of times. As a matter of fact, I don't know about y'all, but some of these kids, when they're running, the wall was their brakes. But they still keep, they keep running. You say, stop running! Stop running, PJ. Stop running, DJ. They keep running, and they stop at the wall. But eventually now, now they can run. Now they can, wa- they can walk. But when they were doing it, boom. But they did not run away from that life. Nor should you run away from this life. Life's going to get hard. But guess what? The creator of life is with you. Number three in verse 15, not everything can be changed. Y'all with me? Life is tough, but it's a gift of God. Say that with me. Life is tough, but it's a gift of God. It doesn't get any easier, nor should you you try to run from it. But but see, in verse 15, not everything can be changed. Um, What is crooked cannot be made straight. What is lacking cannot be numbered. I went to my office to bring you um, a paper clip so you can picture this. This is the illustration I was going to give you. Um, if you take a paper clip, you see paper clip the way that they made. If you straighten the paper clip, I can promise you all the money on earth you cannot put it back the exact same way that it was. You can put something that looked like a paper clip, but it will not be put back, put back the exact same way. But can I tell you something? Ooh, pastor's going to preach right here. In your life, if you feel that you've been broken, and things have not been the way that they're supposed to be. I promise you this. If you give your life to Jesus Christ, it says this, the Bible says this, if someone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You know what God does? He doesn't just try to remake you. No, no. He makes something new out of you because of what Jesus has done. Not everything can be changed, but God can make something new. Take, take, take this, take, take this into it. Not everything can be changed, but God is still in the business of creating new things. And I can tell you this, your heart that's been broken, God can make it new. Your, your, your mind that's troubled, God can put it at peace. We must remind ourselves, God has the power to straighten out what has been twisted and supply what is lacking. God will not change the past, but he can change the way the past affects us. For the lost sinner, the past is heavy, is a heavy anchor that drags them down. 
But for the child of God, the past, even with his sin and mistakes, is part of the guide forward. You know why? You, do you know what changed the past for the sinner and what changed the past for the believer? Faith. The believer placed faith in a God who was able to change your circumstance. The sinner is anchored down by a past that they cannot get rid of. You, 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 you know, I'm not a therapist, but I'm married to one. My sister-in-law is a therapist. My wife is a mental health counselor. You, you know a lot of their living, how it's made? It's by people who are anchored by their past. They cannot get away from what happened to them as a child. They cannot move on from a breakup that took place 10 years ago. They cannot forgive someone who hurt them so bad. Or even worse, you find people that go to cemetery all the time to talk to an empty tomb trying to seek forgiveness from it. Ooh, pastor, preach pastor, preach pastor. But can I tell you something? If you put your faith in God, Sister Elsa will, be, will help you say, let, let it go, let it go. Because the past is in the past. Because God does not ignore the past, but God can give you a better future. How many of you, somebody broke your heart, but God gave you somebody now that's your boo, that's your bae, that cares for you, that do everything for you. So many of you, so many people hurt you. Now you look at them and say, praise God they hurt me. Because if, they were, if I was with them, I don't know where would I be. Not everything can be changed. But our God can give you a better future. Lastly, wisdom and experience will not solve every problem. Verse 16 through 18. I'm I'm an expositor, so watch watch what the text says. I consumed with my heart, saying, look, I have attained greatness, and I've gained more wisdom than all who were before me in Jerusalem. My heart has understood great wisdom and knowledge. And I set my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceived that this is also grasping for the wind, chasing after the wind. For and much, for and much wisdom is much grieving. And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Watch this. Let me say this clear. He's not saying don't go to school. He's not saying don't educate yourself. He's not saying don't learn anything. But if that's your sole purpose, it is folly. There are those who go through life living on explanation, uh, um, uh, living on explanation will always be unhappy for at least two reasons. One, um, this side of heaven, there are no more explanations for some things that happen. Um, last week, on Sunday, I went and officiated a funeral of an 18-month-old. The kid came to Bible study. The kid came to the creed Went to sleep. Did not wake up. What explanation do you give to the parent? There's no explanation. I mean, you can be arrogant and, 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 and sensitive, say, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, but it ain't your kid. See, there are certain things that we're never going to be able to give an explanation for. So therefore, if you are looking for an explanation for everything, I don't know which life you live in. You know how kids are? You said, sit down. Why? (laughs) Because I said so. (laughs) Eat your veggies. Why? Because I said so. See, we have to come to a point of our lives to where that what God says, whether we understand it or not, we have to trust God. See, 
Not only there are no explanation for some things that happen, and God is not obliged to explain them anyways. You know what God says? <laughs> Where were you when I was creating my heavens? You know all your explanation? You know, we, we don't sing hymns anymore, but by and by, Peter Von, you know, man. Peter Von, now, Jesus, Peter Von, Further up, you understand why. Some things that happens to you now, you'll be like, why? And then later on, you know, can I go there again? Some breakup, you'll be like, thank you, Lord. Some people, some friendship who deserted you, be like, hallelujah. Now you say hallelujah. But then, you thought your life was over. See, not everything is, not everything there's an explanation for, nor, nor God owes you an explanation. See, when you trust God, you just live the life that he put before you. Second, God has ordained that his people live by his promises, not by his explanation. Did you guys hear what I said? God wants you to live by what he promised, not by explanation. See, if God promised me that I will live, that I will not die. And he said for me to live, I have to trust him. Put my faith in him. You know what I do? I'm going to live. I'm going to put my trust and my faith in him. Because this body may decay, but my soul is eternal. See, there are certain things God ordained, and when we live by his promises, therefore we have to live by faith and not by sight. Solomon is saying, live by faith and not by sight. If anybody was equipped to solve the difficult the, the, the difficult problems of this life and tells us all about it, Solomon was that person. He was wise, the wisest man. And guess what? People came all over to hear his wisdom. Picture this. Solomon sits and then people come to hear the great wisdom that he has to impart. People will travel miles overseas to hear what he has to say. And here he's saying to you that wisdom and experience will not solve your problem. Can, can, can I put this in? Can I put this in real quick? The dumbest thing you can tell me, especially as a young person, the dumbest thing you can tell me is that I must, I must go to my own experience. If I told you that this is what I've experienced in my life, you don't need to go through the same thing to know what the result is. That's dumb. Be like, oh, let me make my own mistake. You fool. That's why I share with you the mistakes that I've made. Any first generation Haitian American that figure fast far on your own? Right? Okay? Now, you mean to tell me when DJ goes to college, now he has to go figure fast far on his own? No! What kind of. Y'all get the point I'm making, right? So. We have to take advantage of what we've seen, what has happened before us. But just know that wisdom and experience will not solve every world problem. Um, I'm, I'm almost done. I promise you, I'm almost done. Um, Solomon, Solomon's wealth was beyond calculation. So therefore, he had all resources available to do just about anything he wanted to do. He even experienced madness and folly. That's absurd. That's, 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 that's the opposite of wisdom. 
and his quest for the right answers. Nothing was too hard for him. Solomon was the kid who said that, you know what, let me smoke a joint to see how it feels. Right? But only to realize that it was just chasing air. So guess what? You don't need to go become a drunk to know what it feels to be a drunk. You don't need to go smoke to, to know what it means to be a smoker. You don't need to go do drugs to, know, to feel what it means to be a, 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 a drug addict. You, 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 you don't need to go experience a, a, a premarital sex to know what sex feels like you know, before you get married. You, you don't need to do all that stuff. It's for your own wisdom. But we say, oh no, let me, let me go, let me go, let me go, let me go do me. You can't be a child of God and do you. You can't make up your own path. God created a path for you. You cannot create a path based on wisdom and experience. You create a path based on what the word of God says. For too many of us, we are creating something that's an opposite of what God created for us. Solomon had all the wealth to do whatever he wanted to do. But just because he had the wealth, it wasn't an advantage for him to find all the answers he was seeking for. In fact, his great wisdom only added to his difficulties. For it says this, for wisdom and knowledge increase sorrow and grief. It's in the text. I didn't make it up. It's, 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 it's on the screen. It only increase sorrow and grief. People who never ponder the problems of life, who live innocently day after day, never feel the pain of wrestling with God and seeking to understanding his ways. Ooh, I still got time. I still got time. I still got time. It's raining outside. I still got time. Everybody turn and look at the rain. Um, watch this. A kid who's still in the age of innocence, they don't know how bills are paid. Anybody remember when you just opened the fridge and stand there, eeny, meeny, miny? You pick whatever you want. As a matter of fact, I don't know about your children, but imagine they open the fridge and they stand there. I'm like, that electricity, that electricity, electricity, electricity. But they open the fridge, they stand there. No, I don't want this. Close it. There's nothing to eat. <laughs> but, but see, because they are still in that age of innocence, they don't, you know, to go to, to, go to work, <laughs> to go to the grocery store. Y'all see how? I don't care if you do Costco, Walmart, BJ's, I don't, it don't matter what you do. It's expensive everywhere. But, but, but see, what it is is this. With God, you can forever live in that age of innocence without realizing that you got to toil, you got to work hard in order to buy the groceries. So when you live in that age of innocence, you don't ponder about problems. The, the, the more you seek knowledge and wisdom, the more ignorant you are. A, anybody, anybody ever go to class? Especially those of, those of you in the medical field? You, you know, I, I remember this. Can, can I tell you? In my, in, my, in my field, first year seminary students, I probably said this here before, they know everything in theology. As a matter of fact, when you go in seminary, your, your, your official title is Master of Divinity. Do you guys know what that means? That means you, you have mastered the divine. And in the first year, you think you know everything. You, I, mean, I mean, first year seminary student, you, you, you think you know more than the gray hairs with a few PhDs. As a matter of fact, you, uh, uh, first year seminary student, first year pastors are, are, are the same thing. 
First-year pastors can solve every problem of the church. First-year seminary students know all the theological problems. But by the time that I was in my third year, which was the time that I was about to graduate, remember now, they were about to give me a title called, a degree called Master of Divinity. And I realized I know nothing. I have fulfilled all the requirements to concur, to, for, for, for my degree to be concurred, for, for my diploma to be awarded to me. Pericles Tima, that's a proper government name. Master of Divinity. <laughs> well, can I tell you something? I haven't mastered the divine. And I don't care if you get a PhD or whatever it is, you will not master whatever the subject that you are in. That's why, I'm done. That's why the scientist tells us the world is a closed system and nothing is changed. The historian tells us that life is a closed book and nothing is new. The philosopher tells us that life is a deep problem and nothing is understood. But Jesus Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And he has miraculously broken into history and bring life to all who trust in him. So if you're chasing wind, stop chasing when chase Jesus. Solomon says this, all is vanity. Stop chasing after wind. Chase after Jesus. Life is tough, but it's a, it's, a, it's a gift of God. Life doesn't get any easier, but don't you dare run away from it. Not everything can be changed, but there's a Jesus. Wisdom and experience will not solve every problem. So no matter what, stop chasing after wind, but chase after Jesus. God bless you.